Hey guys, and welcome to Karate Over Coffee. A podcast where we chat about everything and anything related to karate and kabuto. I'm Reese Cummings, and I'm here with my friend and colleague, Shane McMahon. Hey guys, and welcome back to Karate Over Coffee. Today we're going to be running through why you can't do it all yourself and you need a team. So this podcast is going to particularly focus on all the things that surround the idea of needing to build a strong team and and how to empower your instructors to form part of that. We've both had dojo where we've tried to run everything by ourselves. Uh, When you're trying to run all of the classes by yourself, you just, you, you burn out. So we've both built a fairly successful dojo so far, but we've had a team around it. So um, what you don't want to do is do all of the classes yourself. If you're on the floor the whole time running through all of the classes, uh, every single warm up, every single technique, you, you are going to burn out. So today we're going to be talking about how to avoid that, how to grow a team uh, and that way you're going to be there for the next 20 years rather than the next two two years. So um, just a bit of experience for me when I came back, when I took over the dojo from my from my dad, I tried to do everything myself. We did have a team of instructors. However, I wanted to do it all. And after a couple of years, I burnt out and I almost stopped karate, almost quit um, and almost gave it all, all away. And it was only when I was talking to my father and he kept telling me, you need instructors, you need instructors. If you think you have enough instructors, you, you don't. You just continually need need more. Just like students, everybody will leave you at some stage. Every student will, will leave the dojo. They might be there for five years, uh, 30 years, 40 years, but in the end, they, they will all leave. And the same as your instructors. So you just need to continually grow a team. Um, what, what do you think, Reese? Look, I think that's very relevant and I think it applies no matter whether you're running a part-time dojo, a full-time dojo, a for-profit or a not-for-profit dojo. If you are talking about the business world, no matter what industry you're operating or what business model you're operating with, you would always be surrounding yourself with people that uh, empower not only you, but then also what you do. Having those right people around is, is quite difficult. And I know in the martial arts, it can be, you know, you've sort of got to home grow them to a certain extent because it is hard to go external. You can look at doing that, but you need to develop a framework uh, that continually focuses on people who also would like to go down that path to make that path open and uh, easy to take uh, should they wish to pursue it and have those conversations about letting know, uh, letting people know that that is an option there. I think if you, even if you were operating a part-time club uh, like I'd been doing for a long time, you still need those people because uh, that's part-time. That means something else is part-time or that means something else is full-time and things are always going to come up and making sure that we're putting steps in place to have that team around you is really important for success. Uh, whatever martial art you're doing, for us, it's, it's karate. It's, uh, so it's not like you can, you can put an ad out and get 40 applicants um, to become a karate instructor. So uh, homegrown, like from your own dojo, is, is a lot easier to, uh, to manage um, quality control when you know when you even when you know those instructors and you know what they're going to be teaching, um, so that that is the easiest. Um, 
and identifying potential instructors. So um, for us, when, when somebody joins, I'm always looking at them as a potential instructor. Um, doesn't matter if they've just joined or they've been training for six months, I'm always looking for the next, next instructors. Um, so have, have you found that experience, Reese? Yeah, I think it's not just instructors either. It's people that just want to play a part. Mm. Uh, more so in, in, in traditional dojos, I think beyond anything, we are a community and we're trying to get together and we all like doing the thing that we're doing and hopefully the people that we're doing it with. So there's always people around, there are always people around who are happy to get involved. So looking at what type of skill sets people might have uh, and how you may delegate, you know, delegation is, uh, you know, a management skill in and of itself and being open to doing less I think is important mm. and understanding that you don't have to do it all and if you don't that's okay as well and the only way to give other people capacity to develop because I think often our concern is um, maybe they won't do it as well as we want it done or it'll take more time actually to do it because we've got to train someone to do it or what will the students think if I'm not leading a class or if the head instructor's not leading a class yeah. but I think if we don't give them time to grow and capacity to grow by stepping back a little bit uh, then we're, we're not going to be able to sort of meet that criteria of building the team. We want to, teach, we want to do everything ourselves you know we, we want to be running the warm-up we want to be running the whole class and it's, sometimes it's, it's just it feels like it's easier if we just do the whole class instead of getting having uh, assistant instructors or instructors taking chunks of the class you know like 10 students here 10 students there splitting the classes up uh, sometimes it's just easier it feels like it's easier for the head instructor but then there's no potential for growth for your for your either paid employees or volunteers however it is that you're setting it up uh, because otherwise they're just standing around twiddling their thumbs um, and then I, I just think the students get a better a, a, a bigger benefit from other people um, explaining how to do a front kick I remember uh, for years I couldn't do front kick I still struggle now but I couldn't do front kick for ages and my dad was explaining to me how to do it and then one day one of our other instructors uh, who actually still trains said it how to do the front kick in a slightly different way and I went home to my dad and said look here I can do front kick and I said oh Dennis showed me how to do it and he's like what I've been saying that for 20 years so yeah. sometimes we get so used to the way that somebody our head instructor or our chief instructor explains something um, and we just it's just background noise but when, when somebody else puts it in a slightly different perspective you know all of a sudden you can, you can do that technique cutter or whatever it is that you're doing. I think that's really valid. And, and starting with the warm-ups can certainly be a way of introducing people to getting their confidence and running something and also gives the head instructor capacity to actually step back and look at the class too and yeah. actually do probably, arguably, your job better. You know, you can then see what's going on. Because if you are standing in front of the class, you're engaged in that activity. And to a certain extent, your, I guess, vision narrows to what you can do and you can't necessarily really step back and look at everything. And I think what you said before is true as well. When I've had guest instructors come, actually they say the exact same thing that I've been saying all along, or at least I think yeah. they do. 
but they phrase it in a slightly different way. They hear it from a different voice, in a different tone, in a different language, whatever it might be. And that gives someone that light bulb moment. So it can be beneficial having that. And then on the other side of things, there's that saying, when you teach, two people learn. If other people are then getting involved in teaching, then they're getting involved in learning. So they're enhancing themselves anyway. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they have to be taking a whole class or solely responsible for the development of the students. That can still be the primary responsibility of the head or chief instructor. But but I think finding out who's interested and who wants to be there is pretty important. Mm. I think most schools start in some part-time capacity, whether that's because they're starting to help their instructor part-time or because it's quite difficult to make that leap from nothing to everything in the martial arts industry. Mm. Uh, So a lot of people start part-time, whether that be part-time in a community space or part-time in a uh, dedicated space. If you've got other activities that you're doing, then you do start to get a little bit tired. You are limited in your capacity. I know that for basically up until the last 11 years, um, or, or probably 10 years actually, uh, I worked full-time and then I ran the dojo. And while my dojo is part-time, it's not a part-time workload. Uh, it's you know more sometimes than a normal job because of the amount of people you're trying to, I guess, care for and cater for and teach and develop. Um, and you do start to go, what can I do? What can't I do? And I think you get to a point where you hit your growth capacity. And as instructors, where I think the the quantity of students you have can be as many as you like, providing you can ensure that the quality is maintained. I think no instructor would say, oh, I don't want 300 students if I knew I could maintain a high quality of uh, you know, students in their performance of their skills and their understanding. But often we can't have that many students or we can't grow the dojo because we don't have the support around. And actually being able to step back if you do have that other part-time job and let other people step up, sharing the load is a good way to do it. Uh, and then I think it gives capacity not only for the instructors to grow, for then the head instructor to develop as well, but then for the dojo or the school to grow itself. Uh, for, for me, I think the same as you. We we only we only grew. Uh, so I, the most I could get is 180 students previously. Um, like we around 150, 180 was the most because I was trying to do all the classes. I was burning myself burning myself out, and you know, and not giving the personal attention um, to the to the especially the kids. Um, like I knew all the kids, but it was it was just. You know, I, I couldn't be I couldn't be the give everybody a high five because I was tired after the classes. Like you know, like I'm running five classes a day, uh, five classes back to back, and um, like by the end, man, I like, I was drained and I didn't want to do yeah. the admin work, um, and I didn't want to do the marketing. And you know, every time somebody inquired, I was oh another one. Whereas now uh, I don't do it. I don't do as many classes. I don't do all of the kids' classes. I've got other instructors. So I sometimes come in for five, 10 minutes. I usually come in at the start and at the end and hop for, hop for high fives. And the uh, the kids saying, thank you for teaching us, Shane Sensei. I'm like, yeah. So like, that's the best, the, the best part of it. 
Um, yeah. And you can only develop those students and instructors and yourself. Like, as you said, uh, if you're not taking all the classes, you can actually start developing your own, um, your own karate. Uh, and my, my dad said it, said it best. Um, you only really understand karate once you start teaching karate, you know, and then you start looking outside of your own area. You, you start, you start trying to bring in different drills, different techniques. Uh, and really you can only do that if you've got the, the time, the spare time to do it. Um, in, instead of trying to, trying to teach every single student, every single technique that you've ever learned, you're best off teaching the teachers. I, I think there's something we're not saying as well, but disagree with me if you think so. What, yeah. what we're, we're, we're not saying that, you know, we want a new, like a high number of teachers and we'll make anyone a teacher at any belt level without any <laughs> yeah, experience. No, yeah, no. I think we're certainly saying that they need to have the right experience, both in karate and then also in teaching, because yeah. I think they're two very different things. Yeah. Uh, and I think you need to develop them in parallel with equal commitment. Yeah. But the more you do have, the less everyone has to do. Mm. And if you keep growing, like you said before, if you think you have enough, you don't keep going. And yeah. if that's the case and you end up growing to 10, 15 or 20 people who are all happy to just help out one hour a week, then the commitment from their side is hopefully low, mm. but they can get an enjoyment out of doing what they're doing but it's easy to keep functioning. And then on the other side of things, what you touched on, I think is important as well, because the, there is a lot that happens off the dojo floor. Like we don't turn up and then go home. There's class preparation, there's administration, there's you know keeping up with first aid, CPR, or making mm -hmm. sure all of your instructors do that. It's planning the lessons, it's looking at grading, it's developing the curriculum, the syllabus, mm -hmm. uh, doing everything that creates the foundation for arguably part of the easiest thing that we do, which is turn up and talk, turn up and teach. Yeah. And having that time to step off and do that, I think is, is important too. Yeah, it's, it, it's important for the growth of your students as, as well as your own karate. Um, like, I'm, you know, we're, we're both learning, still learning. It's not like you, as a, once you become an instructor, you know everything because you don't. You, like, I, you still learn. Like, I still have tons of things that I want to learn and, uh, and then potentially teach my teachers and then instructors. So the characteristics that I look for when I'm trying to find an instructor, I think, obviously, is a quality of karate. It doesn't have to be physically uh, the best representation of it, but they certainly have to have a basic understanding of it. And once they've got that, what I'm looking for is people with a genuine interest in helping other people, people who seem to have a passion for what they do and the ability to get excited about it as well. Mm. I think something someone said to me at one point in time, as an instructor one of the primary things we have to be is an entertainer because yeah. everyone has a finite amount of time. Uh, you could spend it doing whatever else, but if you are not entertaining, I'm not saying that you have to be, uh, you know, the class clown or the most humorous or anything like that. But oh, if you yeah. are not entertaining yeah. and interesting, yeah. then I don't think you're going to be a good instructor. Yeah. Uh, so that's probably the biggest thing I look for, you know, can someone, are they entertaining in the way that they deliver? Can they keep my attention? 
Yeah, I think you need to have a certain personality to, to, to teach anything, really. You know, if you talk in a monotone, people are going to fall asleep. Yeah, mm. you, you, need, you need to have, you need to be funny. Um, you know, you, you need to be able to take a joke and, and make a joke as well. Um, I think that's really important, being a, like a real person. Yes. Uh, you know, you make mistakes and, uh, um, and there's a big characteristic being, a, being nice is probably the biggest one I look for. Somebody who has empathy and, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and somebody who's going to be, who's invested in, in the club. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Not so much invested in karate, but more about, more about your, your club, you know, and the people around, yeah. um, being a part of the community. So, um, yeah, I think we're both sort of look, looking for the same, same sort of people. Um, and I also look at their, their job. So if they're going to be an assistant instructor or potential senior instructor taking their own classes, uh, then I, I want them to have a, a pretty stable job that's only in Brisbane, not, not traveling every second week or every third week. Um, at the moment, it, it's not an issue. But, you know, you want somebody who's, who knows the students and can help, help the, you know, uh, develop the students. But if they're only there every once or every four weeks, uh, it, it's, not, it's not ideal, not ideal for me. Definitely. I think, and, and that's something to think about, you know, there are, there are different types of instructors that we might grow. There are those instructors that just help when they can, or there's people that just help when they can. Then there's people that start to go down that instructor path of developing those specific skills. And again, they might help when they can. Then there's those that are interested in running classes. And I think obviously the more that they do, the more that we need to invest in their development as an instructor, not only a practitioner, mm. uh, as well and I think another characteristic that I want is someone that can tell a student something straight direct yeah. but make sure that the students know that it is done with a care and a desire to improve uh, what the student is doing I don't really want drill sergeants at the front of my class yeah I want people who are strict who are commanding in their presence and I want people who can maintain interest and I want people that don't have to fluff about, I want them to be direct, but it needs to be done with a sense of care, compassion, and understanding for the development of the student. And that should always be obvious as well. It should be about the student, not about the instructor. Uh, not, not the interests of themselves. Um, mm. and, and, you know, and how, look at me, I'm fifth down, how good am I? You know, it's yes. the, the, the development of, of the students, especially kids, especially kids. Um, you need somebody who can talk to kids. You don't know what that kid's gone through. You don't know what house that they're, they're from. Um, so you, you need that positive reinforcement with, with kids, but you still need to be firm um, with them. And especially with kids, man, you have to like kids. You, you've got to enjoy training with kids. If you don't want to teach kids, uh, like if you're there uh, just to help out Sensei, then, then I'm not interested I want somebody who wants to help kids, train with kids, likes kids. Um, Definitely. You know, and, and want to help the kids. And it's, especially kids, it's a long game. You've got to look at, it can take 10 years for, for little Johnny to understand his body movements. Karate, yes. is very, karate is very strange. It's not natural, even though we always say, you know, go into a natural stance. 
it's, it's not natural. Um, you're using your hands and feet at different times and that can take a long time to learn. So if you get frustrated in when the kid's doing six weeks of classes because little Johnny can't punch or can't move, um, you know, you, you're, you're going to hurt yourself as well as that, that child. You know, you, you got to look at the, the long, the long term, the long, long game. I think the pedagogy is pretty clear too. You know, a positive reinforcement, as you said, is what we're after. Physical discipline is mm. not the best way to encourage students to do better. Mm. Um, I think it needs to, it does need to form part, you know, whether it's some push-ups and sit-ups or whatever it might be, that's part of karate. But yeah. I think we often talk about uh, discipline in class, but I try and remind my students as well. I'm after self-discipline. So I want them to discipline themselves. I want them to push themselves to do better. I want them to pull themselves into control and, and command yeah. their, their karate in and of themselves. The more discipline that is in class, in my opinion, the worse I am at doing my job mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I want them doing that. Yeah. But I think, I, I guess, that, that's what we want out of an instructor. And we've spoken about how it's important to start to develop that team. Otherwise, we do burn out. Yeah. So... What have, what have you done, I guess, to create a framework or what have you done to start actually building that team? Yeah, well, the so I'm lucky because we've been around for a long time. We have some some pretty high instructors, but not everybody, uh, or, sorry, high black belts, but not all black belts want, want to teach. You know, they some want to just continue to train. Um, so we I look at, I start from, from Q grade, from the color belts, and I look at what they could potentially become an instructor. So we've got an emerging emerging instructors group, and we also have our junior leaders, which are the kids, but that's another podcast. And then we've got our uh, instructors and then senior instructors. So with my emerging uh, instructors, they take five five minutes of, of, uh, of a class, but a, a couple of people at a time or they do the warm up. Um, mm. they, they're involved in once a fortnight uh, class, so we structure them to be coming in maybe once a fortnight, um, and they're just learning how how to interact with people as well. You know, learning learning the ropes. Um, yeah. Otherwise, our instructors we we have a once a term uh, get together where we run through how to uh, how how to, how we teach basics. Uh, we might pick a specific cutter to make sure everybody's on the right page. Um, we have a, a dojo in Sydney, so we do Zoom chats as well with the instructors there. So um, we do a, you know, a collaborative um, Zoom session just to make sure that everybody's teaching the same. Um, but, you know, you, you just need more. You, I need, you need more and more of it. So as a, as a chief instructor, you should be, you should be teaching the teachers. Not, not teaching every every single class. Um, what, what's yours? Yeah, look, I, I think we have a lot of alignment there. But I, when I think about how we're developing, I always think we're a martial arts education institution. And I try and think about it from that point of view rather than maybe a gym or a fitness studio. And I think, okay, well, for education, there, there is a structure there, right? You've got your principal, you've got your heads of department, and then you've got your teachers. And there, there's different responsibility as, as you go through. Of course, a principal, or in this case, our head or chief instructor, can't be doing as much teaching, perhaps, as the others are, even though we love, you know, that, that's really what we love doing. 
and I, you know yeah. I would like to be on the floor as much as possible but you do have to to look at that so my framework's very similar we start at the Q grades so what we do is we look for people that uh, have those attributes or characteristics that we spoke about before um, often their parents as well they might have their children training mm. uh, and we start them mostly in the kids class but again a passion for teaching children is important mm. uh, we have you know you call them emerging we call them teaching assistants so we have informal helpers first so that's like our apprenticeship we say hey you've got these characteristics would you be interested in um, looking you know towards becoming an instructor because our idea is we're going to take two or three years to develop them to that point. Mm. Uh, so we introduce them informally. We have a formal program where they spend about three to six months informally helping, shadowing an instructor and following along, perhaps taking one or two students to lead them through a little bit of stuff um, or to help. Mm. Once they've done that for a while, we do have a formal assessment framework. So they get some tasks and some things to complete uh, and they go through that process as well as a practical assessment to move to our teaching assistant level. And that's essentially where they're showing they know how to do everything that an instructor needs them to do, i.e. equipment preparation, mm -hmm. uh, group organization, class management, uh, a little bit of first aid, all of that kind of thing then they might spend a bit of time in that. They could spend one, three years as a teaching assistant. And then perhaps they start to develop a passion more so for instructing. And then we work them through, you know, more development opportunities to become assistant instructors and then instructors. But I guess the biggest thing we've done, uh, so over the last sort of three years, we went from around 80 to 90 students to 250. Mm. That's only been possible with the parallel growth of those instructors. Yep. And that growth has been because we developed a framework. Now, uh, because I've also worked in the vocational education sector as a trainer, I've sort of taken what that sector's done a little bit, uh, as well as talking with other colleagues and that expertise and put it together and developed a bit of a, a framework or an assessment uh, matrix mm. that takes instructors through a learning process like any course uh, to get them to the to the point and skills that we want and then like you said we so we have a pre-term session with all of our teaching assistants helpers instructors and assistants uh, to go through what our expectations are and their roles and how to do it and then this year was the first time that we really layered that approach and we did a half day with just our instructors where we delve more deeply into pedagogy, anagogy, and, and looking through the different uh, ways that we want people to teach and also bringing a bit of a standard to everything. But I guess putting time into that, just like we do into teaching our students, was, was the difference. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're going to benefit for the next 15, 20 years with that framework. Um, it shows me that I need to work on that too. I, I think we have to be open to doing less as well. And I think we have to make it obvious to other people that we're open to their assistance and that we'd really like to empower those people as well. Because uh, unless we are openly communicating that we're, we're, we're there and we'd like to be developing other instructors, I think people might be hesitant to ask as well. So mm. making that formal pathway an option, I think is a good idea. And in the end, 
diversifying the workload uh, makes everything better quality as well. Well, how do you uh, how do you approach potential instructors? Do you have chats them on the floor or email? Do they contact you? How does how does it work? It's a little bit of a combination. I have had some students express an interest, uh, but usually each sort of term or maybe each semester, I'll sit down and I'll look at my students that I have mm. and I'll look through anyone that I think uh, may have certain characteristics, has it maybe shown that they're interested in class as well. And mm. also I might try and consider where they're at at their life stage. Uh, maybe they... Uh, uh, they, they could be too busy, so I don't want to put extra pressure on them. Um, or So I try and, I guess, do all of that. And then uh, I might approach a couple of people or they'll approach me. And then I also try and say to people in class every now and then, hey, we do want to be developing instructors. If you're ever interested, come have a chat. Yeah. You want to find people who you get along with too. You don't want to get along. You don't want to, as a chief instructor, you're going to be there for a long time. So you want sort of like-minded people who you could, you know, who you would invite over to your house for dinner. You know, you, you wouldn't choose somebody who you flatly don't get along with. Um, yeah, look, I, I agree. I think, you know, it, it, it's about your heart and your people that you're surrounding yourself. You know, you've got to have an alignment in those values, not just the physical uh, side of karate as well. So, yeah, definitely. Well, I think that wraps it up, Reese. Uh, if anybody has any questions, uh, or comments, please let us let us know. You can catch us at karateovercoffee.com. Yeah, look, it's been really good to chat through things. I've certainly uh, have some things to take away and, and look at as well. So I've enjoyed enjoyed the chat and hopefully others will as well. And some of the questions uh, that we might get are always helpful and inspiring further thought too. Thanks for listening, guys. And if you'd like more information, check us out at karateovercoffee.com. Or have a look at wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it be on Spotify, iTunes, on the website or online. And I look forward to grabbing a coffee with you next time.